Hello and welcome back to the Turn Right Podcast. This is episode 27. I'm Caitlin, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about six ways to write fast-paced fiction. So why do we need to write fast-paced fiction? Well, for starters, it keeps our readers interested. No one likes a book that drags, no matter how artful the prose is. But fast-paced fiction isn't limited to plot. In today's episode, I am going to discuss some techniques that are applicable to both the plot and the character development. So the first way that you can write fast-paced fiction is by utilizing the technique known as scene and sequel, and it was taken from a film writing concept. The basic idea is to write the action in one scene and then the reaction to the scene in the next scene. Um, It really helps with not being too overly descriptive, and it also helps with reminding us that the character does in fact need to spend some time reacting to what happened to him. If the character is just speeding through the plot and not reacting appropriately, the reader won't feel the appropriate emotions, and there will be no empathy for the character. Conversely, if there's too much reaction, the story becomes boring and we don't have enough plot to keep the story moving. So that's why this idea is supposed to help balance your story out. And of course, it's not going to be that perfectly linear every time. Sometimes you may have a couple action scenes in a row and sometimes you may have a couple reflection scenes in a row. And so it just really depends. But The basic idea is you don't want four chapters of straight contemplation. You know, this is not the Odyssey. Um, So there really should be tangible action that your characters are taking and then some reaction, maybe a longer stretch of tangible action and then some reaction and so on. Number two, unveil a secret slowly. You may think this is counterintuitive, but it actually does a really great job of hooking your reader. And it's a very common technique in thrillers. It also helps us avoid info dumping. I recently read The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins, and we knew that there was this secret about Jane's past, but we didn't know what it was. The Wife Upstairs, if you're not familiar with it, it's a pretty traditional plot. In fact, some of the concept was actually taken from Jane Eyre, Um, I've never read that book, actually, so I didn't understand that fully, but I can say that it was a pretty traditional plot of a wife goes missing, the prime suspect is the husband, and there are some other players, and the author is kind of confusing us, and then there's this new woman in the picture. So it's definitely a plot that we've seen before, yet I thought this book was one of the best books I've read so far this year, and I was really hooked. And that's because the author did this very slow unveiling of this secret. We know that this secret caused Jane, the main character, to have trust issues in her relationships. And then we learn her real name isn't Jane. This is all unraveled over the course of a few chapters to keep us interested. The same technique takes place in literary fiction in The Great Gatsby with Gatsby's past. We get glimpses here and there, but it's not until the second act where Gatsby's true self is revealed. So we want to keep reading because we don't actually know what the secret is in both of these stories, but we know that the author keeps on bringing it up, so we know it must be important. And we also know that it's really affecting the character since it's being brought up so much, and hopefully we are connected with the character and want to understand why the character is going through this. Number three, subplots. 
if you don't know what else to write with your main plot, you may be forgetting to build your subplots. You should really have two or three solid subplots that will support the main plot because a, one plot can only spin off in so many different directions before it becomes unreliable. I think a good example of strong subplots that supported the main plot was in Me Before You by Jojo Moyes. The main plot is Louisa Clark is falling in love with Will, a paralytic who has plans to end his own life due to his disability that he suffered after a accident. Louisa tries to get Will to change his mind by trying to make him fall in love with her. And that's a pretty dang heavy plot, and you may think, why would we need more plots in a book that has such an intense plot like that? But the author also uses the subplot of Louisa's family's financial struggles, her dad losing his job, Louisa losing her job, and Louisa's own character development as a risk-averse young 20-something to highlight the main plot. We know that it's very necessary for Louisa to keep working for Will because that's how she's maintaining income, yet she's also falling in love with him. We also see through this financial struggle, the main difference between her life and Will's. Will values experiences, travels, and he really sees that as being necessary to live a complete life. Louisa, growing up poor, has never experienced that. So these two experiences are contrasted with one another, and again, they support the main plot that Louisa and Will have very different reasons for living or what they consider to be living a full life. And in this story, there's also a secret that's slowly unveiled, a secret about Louisa's past, an event that happened to her as a teenager. And all of these subplots in, in the secret build off one another and support the main plot, which is why Louisa thinks she can never move, move past loving Will. And it also serves as a contrasting view about her own life. Utilize plot points and pinch points at the appropriate markings in your story, i.e. the first plot point should be at the 25% marking, not the 30% marking, not the 15% marking. It helps with the overall pacing and structure of the novel. If the first plot point is happening too late in the game, chances are your readers are going to get bored and stop reading your novel. So if you find that all of these points are happening too late, you should cut. If you find they're happening too early, you should add, and this is a great way to gauge the pacing of your novel and see if it will resonate with people. It's a very mathematical, measurable way to do so. There's not many things in writing fiction that are measurable, but this is a very measurable way to do that. But I'm not going to really go into depth on this subject too much because I have several other podcasts about plot and pinch points that I encourage you to check out if you're interested in there should be a character arc for all major characters and even some of your minor ones. Your character should be constantly evolving and changing. A character arc is all about change, whether it's positive, negative, or the character is changing the world around him. They will get closer and further from the goal. Characters that stay the same, even in fast-paced plots, equals a slow-paced story. In The Goldfinch, which is an incredibly long story, but it's still very fast-paced, Theo evolves from a very smart but rebellious schoolboy to doing totally irresponsible things, doing drugs in the desert, drinking bottles of vodka, to trying to fix himself up, get into a prep school, and then he ends up working at a furniture shop and swindling customers. So he wears very many different hats 
in this story. But the reader really stays interested in the story, although there's not a ton going on with the plot, we see all of these changes happening to Theo. So make sure your character is changing, not only from plot point to plot point, but really from chapter to chapter. Finally, the element of surprise, do the unexpected. When we are surprised, we want to keep reading. Sometimes stories with very simple plots are super effective because the unexpected is always happening. I'm going to allude back to the wife upstairs. Again, it's a pretty classic plot. Wife of the husband is missing and presumed dead. This new woman enters the picture. There's a lot of suspicion about who killed the woman. Is it the husband? Is it the new wife? Is it someone else? So there's a lot of different players, but, you know, maybe if we're a really careful reader, we can kind of sniff out who done it. That's the thing about the novel. The author is constantly throwing us off our game, even if we are careful readers. Lots of surprises happen, even small ones. This guy, John, from Jane's past, shows up at Home Depot, creepily watching her. We kind of don't know what to make of that. Eddie quickly asks Jane to marry him, but he still kind of seems like he's grieving for his ex-wife. So could he really have killed her? The novel then abruptly switches into the ex-wife's perspective and we learn some weird things about her, which kind of throws us off. So all of these surprises um, keeps us reading, even with this relatively simple plot, because we're seeing a slightly different take on it and the unexpected is continuing to happen. Let me know what you're working on by giving me a review of this podcast. If you're an indie author, let me know. I would love to support you. As always, keep writing, keep reading, and keep querying. I will talk to you guys on our next road trip.